Hello! <laughs> go, go, go. Yeah, welcome to We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that's rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> Mark, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say for that. Take your surprise. Yeah, yeah. Andrew's been at uh, Grandpa's Special Medicine, I think, for the, <laughs> the start of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's at the eggnog early. At the eggnog, egg yeah. Well, it's Christmas in it. it I'm on holiday. You on holiday? One more day. One more day. You're staggering, staggering through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's obviously uh, Christmas at time, and we have reached the final stage of our four-part end-of-year uh, album review, um, which um. is which has been really cool. And and I want to just pay a, a great tribute to you, Andrew, for selecting uh, these these records, many of which I had never heard of in my life, and have very much enjoyed reviewing them with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've really enjoyed it as well, and um, I'm always trying to think about you know things that hopefully you'll like, but also trying to get that variety as well. And I think we've managed that over the the four weeks and another diverse selection today. Yes. Um. And yeah, it's been really good fun to do this alongside um, my uh, my rundown on Instagram, which is still going on. It's, it's felt never-ending at times, but I feel like I've kind of broken the back of it now. So yeah, yeah, get in there with it. You started you started your albums of the year countdown on Instagram in approximately July, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bit like you were know, like uh, super size me. Where yeah. The first kind of couple of days, he's like, this, this, "Why isn't everybody doing this? This, this is so much fun." <laughs> and then about like halfway through, you, you know, you're you're bloated. <laughs> Luckily, I've not I've not had any, um, you know, uh, kind of um, erectile dysfunction or anything like that. Vomiting episodes. <laughs> yeah, no. not anything like that. But yeah, there has been times where I'm like, well, "What have I done? What have I let myself in for here?" But um, <laughs> the end is in sight now. So. It's, I'm starting to enjoy it again now. No spoilers. No spoilers about what's going to be in that top ten. Um, I have my own thoughts based on just what we've chatted about, what I think you might have in the top ten, but I'll uh, yeah. I'll wait and see. I'll wait and see. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we should probably introduce ourselves, as we always forget to do. My name's Ian. Um, I'm guitarist in the Glasgow band Deadline Shakes, and you can find us on all the social media things at Deadline Shakes. My name's Andrew. I am... Reviewing music very, very slowly, very, very thoroughly on Instagram at kadagh86. Yeah, definitely. Um, good, good follow on Instagram. I always give you that review. A good follow. If you like vinyl and you like uh, like new music, I definitely say give Andrew a follow for sure. Um, so yeah, you like you said already, diverse selection of tracks this week um, that we're gonna we're gonna look back, use them to look back. What, what would we say, like a sort of prism to to look back through these albums with, or something like that? Um, yeah, like that. Representative of, of what those records are kind of about, maybe is a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. And a remethod is you, you've you've done a deep dive on these records already. I've um, heard these tracks and I've done a little bit of research beyond that. Um, but I'm essentially listening to them fresh, and you're kind of uh, you've got the the deep knowledge, and that's our that's our thing, and we're sticking to it. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Seems to work quite well for us. Right, so in traditional fashion, uh, I'm going to read you a top five that I found this week on the internet. All right. Um, This is... Time Out magazines. It's actually their top 60 Christmas songs of all time. Yep. They've got a similar uh, idea about lists that I... (laughs) 
<laughs> Why 60 though? Why not 100 or, or 50? I don't know. Anyway. Um, Right, so they've gone for uh, as their. I'll go. For, I'll go five to one. I was actually going to one to five. I'll go five to one. So, their their top five songs, Christmas songs, right? And we're going to get Andrew's little immediate reaction to these, right? Number five, White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Oh, uh, pretty fusty, to be honest. It's a bit, isn't it? Uh, I actually, actually really enjoy the the musical. Film White Christmas or mm-hmm. All the Inn as it, as it originally was. Yeah, I'd actually enjoy the film, but it's not my not my favourite song in that. It's a song that seems like it's based entirely on nostalgia, and I think it probably sounded like that when it came out as well. Yeah, um, I, Bing Crosby's one of those people that was never young. You know, he was just born old. <laughs> I know what I know what he feels like. Um, <laughs> right, track four. Uh, controversial choice, perhaps. Stay another day by East Seventeen. Oof, this is the kind of die-hard Christmas song, isn't it? It's like, is it actually a Christmas song? It's got sleigh bells. Um, I actually, actually really like Stay Another Day. I do as well. I do as well. It's a song to uh, run yourself over with your own car, too. Um, it's one of those ones that I guess we're, we're kind of similar age. You know, you just remember it on top of the pops and those ridiculously big jackets that they had on. Yeah, I sort of remember awkwardly dancing. Um, you know, the sort of awkward dancing at a school disco. You know, no no actual movement with a with a young lady. Um, right, and number three. Now, this is one where I'm, I'm trusting you'll know this. Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. See, this this is potentially the best ever for me. This is yep. an absolutely amazing track. Uh, you, you'll know it instantly. It's, it's, on the, oh, I know it, yeah. it's on the Spectre Christmas album, yeah. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant song. A Christmas gift for you. Yeah. Um, I thought you might like that one and say it was your favourite, but then track two, Last okay. Christmas by Wham. Uh, oh, there we go. We talked about this a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Another brilliant choice. Um, poignant. This is a little short story and a song. Yep. Uh, George's vocals, cuddling up in the lodge. What's not? What's not to love? What's not to love? It is like a sort of um, like a horror movie story. Like it's <laughs> you know, I thought you were someone I could rely on and all this stuff. It's pretty scary in a way, uh, emotionally scary, not not actually scary. Yeah, it does the whole kind of ABBA thing of being quite a kind of perky tune, but it's got heartbreak. There's one of those in 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 today's. Uh, selection actually but we'll leave that for later um and talking of scary number one mariah carey all i want for christmas is you um again i must admit i quite enjoy it i, <laughs> I, I get uh, swept away in it and i don't get tired of it i think i would oh, i do get tired of it i think i would enjoy this track more if i hadn't heard it like eight million times or something i think i remember um hearing this one uh when i was in like primary four or something like that when I was a little tiny kid sitting around my primary teachers like she was sitting on a chair and we were all like sitting on our knees and she said right everyone we're going to listen to an album that I bought yesterday and she put like got a cassette tape out put it in the old cassette player and hit play and we all just sat there in silence (laughs) and she she pressed stop and went isn't that wonderful and I don't don't know what we yes it is it's wonderful are you listening so, to the whole album? No, I think, well, I don't, I don't actually remember. I've sort of blanked that bit of it out. Um, I think we just listened to the, 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 the mega the mega track, um, but yeah. I don't know. Do you not think it's a wee bit, um, it's a wee bit like Let It Go from the film Frozen? 
just that it's too ubiquitous, you mean? Or? You, you, it's ubiquity, but also it's like it's scope and it's the big belting female vocal, you know, and it, it kind of just, with the first couple of times you hear it, you can't help but kind of be moved by it. It's like designed to grab you and move you. So, uh, yeah. Go on, Mariah. I think it works for me because it's got the Mariah you know, lungs on it, but it's also... It's, it's upbeat as well. It's not. It's not like a kind of dirge yeah. of, of big ballads. So, no, I actually really quite enjoy it. I, there's a big kind of cult that's built up around the track, and yeah. it does seem to they manage to get back to number one every year at the moment. But um, Mariah's children and Mariah's children's children and Mariah's children's children's children will eat as a result of this of this one song. We should probably give a shout out to uh, Matthew Keeley, who is a big supporter of the podcast and. He's a massive Mariah fan, so... Yeah, hey, Matthew. Merry Christmas to Matthew. Merry Christmas. Um, you shouldn't be a Mariah Carey fan, <laughs> but <laughs> we can't save you from that. That's, that's your own thing. Um, okay, so we'll, let's let's batter in with these uh, with these uh, tracks. Who, who are we listening to? So this week we've got Cassandra Jenkins, Salt, Riley Walker, Gazelle Twin, Lorraine James. Lorraine James and Floating Points with Ferro Sanders. Excellent. Um, now, I'm not going to do any spoilers before we actually listen to these tracks, but quite a lot of these are very good. <laughs> so there could be a lot of a lot of fawning going on, but we'll see. Okay. Um, I'm going to f- uh, finish us off today with a wee vinyl word of my own. Probably my v- final vinyl word. Vinyl, 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 you know what I mean. Probably my last one for a while since uh, we'll be back to to new music and you'll get you'll back to your rightful place of being the vinyl word giver. Well, you, you've kept it in good hands. I've really enjoyed your vinyl words. What I've done is mostly just pick really big artists. That's what I went for. You can't, you sort of can't go wrong with that. Not so much today, but we'll talk about that later. Um, okay, Andrew, let's listen to Cassandra Jenkins. Here we go. Here we go. Maybe we'll... So these are real things that happen where you can apply these, these um, important concepts and understand that when we lose our connection to nature, we lose our spirit, our humanity, our sense of self. A security guard stopped me to offer an overview on phenomenal nature. She said, sculpture's not just formed from penetration. You see, men have lost touch with the feminine. And with her pink lipstick and her queen's accent, she went on for a while about our president. to tell me what he knew about St. Germain and he told me about chakras and karma and the purple flame the birth of the cosmos the ascended masters and the astral plane he said you know the mind the mind is just a heart
outside, changing lanes. He reminds me to leave room for grace. He said, have you been seeing your therapist? You seem a little on edge. Are you always this nervous? I said, yeah. And this is a hard everyone so our first track this week from from our fourth albums of the year uh you know list is hard drive by cassandra jenkins tell us all about it andrew uh yep so this is hard drive this is this has been a massive song for a lot of people this year i think and it's been a an album that's really kind of um you know it's a real kind of breakthrough for cassandra jenkins this year as well so the album was an overview on phenomenal phenomenal nature and as I say, this is the kind of the the big track, the kind of centerpiece of the record. And 
it's just it's just I think it's just a bit of a masterpiece of a track. It's just um you know, it's kind of diaristic. It moves through stages. The, the the words and the music just work perfectly with each other. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliantly, brilliantly done. Um, so Cassandra Jenkins, she's uh, a Brooklyn uh, musician, and uh, she's worked with a lot of um, artists uh, based around New York. Um, the guy that's produced this record, he's called Josh Kaufman. Um, who's done stuff for the, the National and the Hold Steady. He's in a band called uh, Bonnie Light Horseman, as, as well. Um, and he's done an absolutely wonderful job with the production. The produ- production on this, I'm sure we'll get to it, is just absolutely lush. It's just gorgeous. Um, and Cassandra Jenkins, uh, she, she's done some EPs, did an album before, and um, she'd become friends with uh, a guy called David Berman, who was in the Silver Jews, and he made this incredible album under the, the name uh, Purple Mountains a few years ago uh, that got a lot of acclaim. It had a really kind of acerbic, dark humour to it. Quite quite kind of, um, you know, very, very kind of painfully honest in a lot of places, just like the Cassandra Jenkins is in her writing. And they really kind of formed this bond. And uh, David Berman had invited her on tour. Um, after years in the Silver Jews and not touring, this was supposed to be a really amazing new start for David Berman. Uh, and then he took his own life, um, you know, almost immediately after the album was released. That's awful. The album had incredible reviews. You know, as I said, I did feel like it was going to be this amazing new chapter for him, but it just wasn't to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that event, I think there's probably a, f- a few other events in her life around that time as well that she's kind of reflecting on in this album. But that particular event seems to have really kind of had a profound effect on her, and it's it's kind of through this album, and um, so there's a lot of kind of grief. And um, you know, the, the first lyric on the in the album is, um, "I'm a three-legged dog working with what I've got, and part of me will always be looking for what I've lost." And um, there's a lot of kind of grief. There's a lot of kind of feeling bereft, feeling incomplete, um, you know, just that kind of desire for some kind of human connection. Um, so she's kind of channeling a lot of that through the album and through this track as well. It's kind of like a, almost like a diaristic track where she's kind of talking about uh, these encounters that she's having with uh, people. And a lot of them kind of seem quite quotidian, quite everyday, but there's something also quite profound about the way that she, she tells these stories. Yeah, there's something about this track really does imbue these conversations with something like incredibly deep and meaningful. Um and it's 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 yeah it's a track that rewards I think repeated repeated listening, um, and I think the the cleverness for me about this particular track is it sounds like you're listening to I don't know it's something like maybe like a a dinner party at times you know you're sort of listening to conversations happening to your left to to your right, um, and uh, yeah and it, in a way it's the kind of and I, I mean this as a positive, although it might sound like I'm being a bit stupid about it. This is like the sort of rock and roll or, or pop equivalent of like a yoga class, like an affirmation. It's such a positive um, such a positive track. I'm going to read one of the, 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 the lyrics here. 
Um, and she sings, but this year it's going to be a good one. I'll count to three and tap your shoulder. We're going to put your heart back together. So all those little pieces they took from you, they're coming back now. They'll miss them too, so close your eyes. I'll count to three. Take a deep breath. Count with me. I just think that's so incredibly lovely. I mean, there's nothing like very difficult or difficult in that language. Um, you know that that needs unpicked or anything. It's it's straightforward and simple. Um, and that comes from a, a, a con. I think it's the second or third verse where she's having a conversation at a dinner party with a yes. a psychic. I think. Um, and all of this stuff sounds like really, you know, convoluted, but it's actually very very simply done, and, and it's done with with great ease. It's really really natural. Yeah, and the the shout out to the the, the music as well. So we've got. A little tickled electric guitar. Um, there's a little soft, like honking sax in the background, but it doesn't really ever burst out of the track too much. The drums are kind of like pattering and pattering away, and there's a fretless bass as well. I think it's zooming up and down, and these things like they just weave in and out at various points. Like they they they, they disappear into the background to allow the narrative to take over, and then at moments of you know emotional kind of revelation towards the end of the track, they they come in you know more strongly and and support the, the ideas that are there. It is a wonderful track, and um, when I was looking online, I was just googling this, you know, find out a bit about Sandra Jenkins before we chat about it. All I could find were people saying, this is the best track of the year, this is the best song I've heard this year. Then, you know, just over and over and over again. So, a, a wonderful song. It is, yeah. And, and as I say, just the way that the music frames uh, the lyrics. So there's that bit where she's, like, talking to the guy in the car and he's like, are you always this nervous? And, she, and then she, her, the reply is, I say, yeah. And then the music just rises with that. Yeah. You know, to kind of... Um, get, give her support almost um, and, and just that, that play with the, the, the title hard drive so that it, it goes from somebody talking about the mind being like a hard drive that's kind of got all these like memories and thoughts and worries and anxieties stored in it and then in that second uh, conversation it's to do with uh, the actual journey that they're on being a hard drive and that kind of the road of life being hard as well and difficult yeah. um, so it's just she's kind of playing with that idea of, of, of the title as well which is just Genius, and even in the, even in the first conversation as well, um, I think she says it's a security guard uh, stopped me and told me a, gave me an overview on phenomenal nature, which is the title. Um, but I think that's, that's apparently that's based on uh, an art exhibition that she was at that was called Phenomenal Nature. So so the so the security guard was just kind of telling her about the exhibition, if you like. Yeah. But, but when she says it in the song, it sounds like it's. You know, the security guards giving her this almost this kind of com- cosmic kind of conversation about yeah. about life. Um, but it's a, it's a song that if you mine it like that, like with that level of detail, yeah. you keep picking up details like that. And there's loads of them. It's brilliant. It is very good. So that's us off to an absolute flyer, I think. Right. Yeah. So um, your next track here. Um, much like Little Sims last week, um, it's no surprise to me whatsoever that you've you've selected this one. <laughs> um, I just knew this was going to be a, a favourite of yours. Um, so we're listening to um, Salt, and I have the name of the track here. Is it London Gangs? It is. London Gangs. Here we go. Gangs. 
So that was Salt and London Gangs. So yeah, Ian, you, you said that this was a bit of a predictable choice from me. Um, you know, if we're, and we're playing a podcast bingo, you know, as well as the R word, another one that seems to be coming up a lot is... Is Salt. Salt and, and Flo is well, the producer who's yeah. behind it all. So yeah, I mean, um, you know, my, my current picture on Instagram is me holding the two Salt albums from last year. They, I was just a bit obsessed with those records last year, and they were my, my two favourite records of, of last year. Uh, these, these really uh, incredible uh, grand statements um, that, that kind of brought in so many disparate uh, genres of music that I love. So talking funk and soul and hip-hop and 
gospel, uh, a little bit of kind of Afrobeat stuff as well. Just incredible records, and they, they did feel like really kind of grand statements about what was happening. You know, it was all kind of linked in. They, they, were, they were made very quickly those records, and they, they were a kind of statement about Black Lives Matter, and they were kind of responding to what was happening, not just in the UK but uh, worldwide. Um, the album this year, Nine, it was called, and it is a little bit, it's, it's, a, it's a shorter record. It's only like 35 minutes, so a lot more concise, quite a punchy record. And they had this, the whole kind of gimmick with this record was, you know, it was called Nine, and it was only available for 99 days online. Wow. Um, so, so, so it's... So I mean, does does it actually exist anymore? Who knows? But I've, I've got I've got my physical copy, so I'm really pleased. And um, another fantastic record, uh, just so full of a lot of the things that they do so brilliantly. So I mean, I mean the the rhythm section specifically on this track is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's really an, it's an interesting production this one because it's yeah. it's obviously um, predominantly a you know a track with drum and bass on it. Um, but the production of it's very very interesting because the bass particularly sounds um, very distorted and quite clipped, so you can hear every note, but every note sounds really like it's peaking and, and is is almost like too loud on the old loudness scale, um, uh, which is which is really clever. So it has a kind of like fuzzy, uh, frenetic energy to it, um, and it's got this kind of skittering sort of drum pattern that never really it, it always it stops you from feeling relaxed while listening to it. It's got a sort of crazy energy. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I read somewhere online someone saying this is like, <laughs> this is music to take the undergrounds to. It's what it feels like, you know, trains zipping in and out and people jumping on and off uh, underground trains, which I thought was, was quite yeah, clever. It has a kind of oppressive, breathless quality to it. That, yeah. That's, that's what it feels like when you're in the capital. The lyrics as well are really interesting. So it's about, I mean, it's, the title of the track is London Gangs. And it doesn't, as some uh, music does, it doesn't glamorise violence. Um, in a kind of, you know, sort of CD kind of using the violence to sell records kind of thing. Nor does it sort of mawkishly commiserate violence either. It just sort of says there is violence. London gang violence exists. Um, And it's a sort of, you know, a, a kind of, almost like an, it's almost like a news bulletin in a way. It's kind of just telling you, you know, you should think about this, but it doesn't really force you to think anything in particular. Um, it's very clever, um, so I can see, I can see why you, I can see why you hi- rate this so highly. No, I think, I think that's a really astute point. It does kind of work as like reportage almost. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, I think that's maybe what they're going for with the kind of ninety nine days thing as well. It's like, you know, this is like a snapshot of what's happening, and then it's moving on to the next thing. And the. Um, the ones before were kind of like these big statements for the age kind of thing. This is, as I say, more of a kind of, as you say, kind of more like a, new, a news bulletin. Yeah, and I recognise the uh, vocalist as um, friend of the pod, Cleo Sol. Yes. Friend of pod. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think, yeah, th- this is a kind of punchier uh, statement, as I say, and then the Cleo Sol one was more of a kind of, yeah, a kind of soulful, more yeah. of a personal, yeah, really soulful statement. Yep. There's, a, there's a few. Uh, uh, tracks on the, the second side of the album that are kind of softer, more reflective, um, that are really nice. But yeah, I, I do, I do really enjoy it when when that rhythm section clicks into gear. They've got this amazing um, knack for for putting 
uh, for taking these quite kind of uh, serious topics, but, but but matching them with almost like sing song, nursery rhyme chants, or mm-hmm. like uh, playground chants. So in this one, it's the, the, the la, la 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 la. Yeah, and, yeah. So it's a clever turnaround that moment in the in the track. They do it a few times. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. I think this next track is also very interesting and very different. Um, so this is Riley Walker. Yeah, here we go. We on a nickname basis, but social setting the lighthouse. I extend my hand to all probable possibilities. 
that I may be baptized in seltzer made from glaciers. As cherry water runs down my spine, I recall coupon codes from minimum wage jobs. Unionized by labor kept in sheepskin, saving up for tires that light up when you drop them. She was a real cool hand in the icy figure eight. My dreams were projected on national monuments. I sat alone, wondering should I dose again or just break into song with Illinois flowers. Okay, so that is uh, Riley Walker. Um, that's a pretty cool track, Andrew. I, I, I was um, I had to listen to that particular song a few times before I kind of got on with it. Um, it's, the track is called "Rang Dizzy." Um, it took me a minute. It took me a minute that one, but I do. I have come round to actually really enjoying it. Um, I thought it was. Um, I think the thing that made it difficult for me to immediately like was the, the sort of shifting and twisting folk rock kind of pattern to the whole thing. Yes. Um, it doesn't feel. It it's absolutely follows a, a, a you know a, a song pattern, but in a way, when you're listening to it, you you don't know if you're in the beginning, in the middle, in the end. It just kind of all kind of blends and goes over the top of of itself. The instrumentation doesn't really come to the fore so much in this. It's um, it, to me, it's the lyrics that are the thing that that uh, jump out. But it's got something retro about it as well. Something very sixties about this track. Mm-hmm. Um, sound, it reminded me a little bit about since we're talking about old old songs from the podcast of of your. It reminded me of Love quite a lot um, in the sort of like the instrumentation with strings, but acoustic, um, you know, folk. Um, so I, I like that, but it was maybe without the sort of indignation of love. It wasn't didn't really have that sort of uh, anger in the centre of it. Um, I will say though, the lyrics are quite tricky to get hold of, um, as in to 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 make sense of. Um, I would say they probably owe some kind of debt of gratitude to like William Burroughs or something like that. You know, they feel Definitely. cut up, they feel confused, um, and it, you always kind of feel like. Well, I do anyway when I'm listening to it. I sort of know what he means. I sort of kind of almost understand what the meaning is. We are, you actually look at the lyrics and they are, you know, quite obtuse. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, and the singer's delivery, I think, is, is one of the things as well that uh, is maybe a Marmite thing for some folk. It's quite laconic. You know, he's kind of like a, a sort of like a lounge singer or something in his delivery. Um, and, and he doesn't really, you know, emote a huge amount during during the, during the singing of the song. I wouldn't have said, um, but yeah. Overall, uh, once you once you get used to this track's quirks and you get into its kind of vibe, uh, 
um, and you just kind of feel what the what the idea is. Um, I think it's very good. I do enjoy. I did enjoy it. Good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been I've been following uh, Riley Walker's uh, career for quite a few years now, and he has he has been taking that that journey from um, you know his, his early records. I think he got people were kind of uh, constantly comparing a lot of these kind of uh, as you, as you say the kind of late sixties, early seventies uh, folk folk artists, people like Tim Buckley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham Nash, John Martin, these kinds of people, yeah, it kind of it kind of irked them after a while. And what he's done is he has, over time, he has become, um, you know, more obtuse. He's, he's been working with a lot of um, artists on the Chicago experimental underground scene, um, and they have been kind of gradually just deconstructing rock and and, and kind of working in, in more kind of uh, unusual experimental ways. Um, and I think. You know, so it's been going that way for a wee while, and he's been doing some kind of interesting projects as well, some kind of like improvisational projects with different musicians. And um, he had another album out with a with a Japanese group called Kikagayo Moyo mm-hmm. uh, earlier this this year, uh, called Deep Fried Grandeur, which was like these two long experimental wigouts, which is actually a really cool record. Um, so yeah, he is kind of going in that way, but this one. Uh, to me, is his masterwork. I think it's just an absolutely incredible album. This one, um, I, I, as, as you say, it takes a wee while to to get your head around it, but once you do, it all kind of like falls into place. It's almost like a kind of cubist painting, almost. Uh, yeah, this. that's a good kinda, good analogy. That well done. You kind of get what he's going for, and mm-hmm. I, I, you're, you're absolutely spot on with lyrics as well. Um, there's some very kind of unusual images that he kind of. Uh, puts next to each other but as you say they, they do make a kind of sense um so th- this album's kind of come out as well because out of a period where he was really quite uh, a really kind of dark period in his life he was uh he was alcoholic he was really kind of depressive uh for a while and uh he's kind of found um this kind of period of i don't know rehabilitation uh, through his music and you get it in this this album, and you get it in this track as well. This is the the, you know, the kind of key refrain: "I am wise, I am I'm so fried, wrong does inside, fuck me, I'm alive." And it's it's that kind of it's like an epiphany. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like something that you maybe get in like like Joyce or something like that. that yeah, like epiphany in the kind of everyday. Um, and I think I think quite a few people have maybe f- had that kind of feeling over the last couple of years. Like, fuck me, I'm alive. You know. Yeah. Or is that still happening? Yeah. You know, uh, but but it, I just I just I, I put the hairs on the back of my neck just go up every time I, I hear him say that line, and I just yeah, I just absolutely love the track, love the album, and um, I just love what what he's doing with with rock music. He is just he's de- deconstructing it and then making something new out of it, and it just feels really fresh and exciting. And yeah, just love him. And he's yeah. a really kind of interesting personality as well. Like he's got. You know, it's kind of Twitter feed. It kind of goes from these kind of kind of boyish enthusiasms to then being quite kind of you know darkly comic or being quite depressive or just having a rant about stuff. You know, he kind of puts everything out there online. 
Um, it's quite funny as well. Like I've, I've like posted his albums in the past, and his mum and dad will like chip in and say, oh, "Thanks so much for supporting Ryan." <laughs> <laughs> There's something like really kind of real and sweet about the whole whole family. Uh, That's like when I when I was at the old J gig and I sat next to the keyboard player's mum and dad. That reminds me of that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I just I, I just I can't recommend this album enough, and it, it has a lot of kind of proggy influences as well. Um, it, there's the, the guy, the guys, uh, some of the guys from Tortoise, uh, the, the experimental rock band, they, they produced it as well. So there's, there's kind of like post rock elements in there. As I say, it's some kind of experimental underground stuff, but um, it's just just a really really fascinating record, and it feels new. Yeah, I love it. Very cool, a cool record. Um, but I really, I really want to move on and talk about this next one. <laughs> I was, I was really kind of uh, two minds over to put this in. This is like, no. This is, uh, uh, oh, I'm glad to hear you say that. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I, I'm, put, I, I ended up deciding to put it in because there's something that me and you share um, that we can maybe talk about. Andrew, there's only one thing I can say about this track. Go Andrew, on. you have an appointment with the Wicker Man. <laughs>
much better in my day. <laughs>Okay, so that is Fire Leap by... Did you say it was Gazelle Twin featuring NYX? Or the other way around? Um, it's, yeah, I would, I would put Gazelle Twin first, yeah. So, so yeah, so this album came out of... It was Gazelle Twin had a record in 2018 called Pastoral. And uh, Gazelle Twin's a experimental electronic artist. And um, they had this album Pastoral. And then they've They've reimagined that with the MYX choir. We were like a underground experimental choir, so they, they, they match quite nicely. Yeah, and then they've come up with this uh, really quite in, quite fascinating, incredible record. It's mad. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. In the best possible way. Like there's a, there's nothing I don't love about this. This is this is music that was kind of like designed for me to listen to and think about. Like um, when you said there was something that we we had in common. Are we talking about the Wicker Man? Uh, yeah, well, horror more generally. It's something that we've horror here yeah. podcast. But yeah, we're both massive horror fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, and as 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 far as horror goes, folk horror. Is my favourite, and Wickerman's probably my favourite folk horror film. So yeah, yeah, I love it. I love that. I mean, the the Wickerman soundtrack is a, is an absolute classic as well. Separate even from from the record, from sorry, from the film itself. Um, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know this, this uh, track is. I mean, is it is it a cover reinterpretation? Um, inspired by. I don't even really know how to describe it. Interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean those. Those uh, kind of recorders are pretty much as they are on, in the film. Um, what so What is it about recorders that are so scary? I know. I don't know. <laughs> really, really creepy. It's, it's the part in the film where you've got Sergeant Howie. He's taken the, the horse-drawn carriage uh, through the village and he sees uh, the women on, on the hillside and they're all naked and they're all dancing yep. around and they're doing this kind of fertility ceremony, isn't it? Yes. And, um, and then he, he, he eventually gets to the, the manor house and he goes, they're all naked up there. <laughs> and then Lord Summerhill goes, well, naturally, it's too dangerous to jump over fire with your clothes on. Of course. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a so I, season, amazing film. One of my favourite things about this track was when I started reading about it and I was reading about the kind of grandiose sort of... Um, you know, rationale for making this type of music. Um, where the song, the, the record is called Deep England. I think I'm, I'm correct in saying. That's right, yeah. Um, and they're referring to, or they, they want to sort of hark back to like England's ancient pagan past and what that might tell us about our present and our future. Um, you know, as, as time passes, we've become an increasingly kind of secular type of society. We don't, you know, all, we aren't as religious as we were a hundred years ago in the UK, um, and so you know, social norms are changing. And, and I guess the Wicker Man is a film kind of about that sort of that sort of horror. But it, the clever thing about the Wicker Man, I always think, and this track, is that you never know exactly whose side you're supposed to be on because Howie's such a you know he's not a sympathetic character particularly no. uh, neither's neither neither's the, neither are the islanders um it's just a sort of a, an unusual sort of 
crazy little scene um, that the that the film uh, depicts. And this track made me think exactly like that. There's some everything everything about this track is unsettling to me. Um, I, I, when I listen to it with, uh, I've listened to it a few times. Listened to it in the car, which is you kind of lose its impact that way. But when you listen to it with a decent set of headphones on, um, and you kind of close your eyes, it's got a it's got a real creepy vibe to it so I've, I've already spoken about my distrust of recorders but it's also got drone sounds um uh, you know and and they they do set a sort of atmospheric uh scene for for your ears to listen to um there's also definitely a kind of asmr quality to the singing at various points where it's right up close in the microphone and, and whispering away um about three minutes and a 30 seconds in i think um some bass arrives and I wasn't sure if this was just I couldn't I couldn't actually tell and I've listened to it a lot of times trying to work it out is it a synth or is it something like that or is it just uh sing is it just the choir singing bass sounds just breathy bass vocals but it brings a kind of real darkness to the track that wasn't really there before um it makes the the, the creepiness turn kind of insidious in a way um but uh, but yeah and in terms of the composition as well this is not a track in a rush. Like it really, you know, takes its time and develops. It's, it's quite relatively lengthy. Isn't it? It's like seven minutes or something. Yes, uh, yeah. That's that's why I was kind of worried about maybe bringing it in. I think it is. It's gonna it's gonna test some people's patience. I think. But I me, mean, I, I I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. I can't believe you're suggesting that people wouldn't listen to a track that you'd suggested and just, just be delighted to get to hear us wittering on about it afterwards. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm, I'm one of those people that, that actually, like, you know, I'll, I'll put on the Midsummer. So I've got a vinyl and I'll put it on for pleasure. You know, I just enjoy anything that's kind of related to the folk horror. It's got that kind of that, that kind of creepiness, that eeriness to it. I, yeah. Something about it that I just find really addictive. I think we're probably gonna we're gonna throw on a wee uh movie or two over the christmas holidays and and yeah we'll watch some christmas films but i always like a wee a wee spooky christmas film if i can manage it as well so i'll see if i can maybe squeeze in it's been a while since i've watched the wicker man actually so um maybe it's time maybe it's time yeah um okay so that takes us on to our fifth track this week which is um uh, very different again. So it's uh, Lorraine James and Eden Samara, and the track is called Running Like That. Yep. Uh, let's listen to it then. Here we go. You should try it sometime. Not that difficult. You just Should I just 
So that was Lorraine James and Running Like That from her record Reflection, which has uh, been one of the kind of the, the massive records in a lot of the electronic and dance uh, magazines and websites and publications this year. Um, and, you know, as we were, we were talking about, uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, about Hannah Peel, when I was saying that, yeah, I'm not I'm that was last an expert on electronic music, but when I find something that I like, you know, I tend to really kind of, you know, dive in. And uh, I've really quite taken with this, or, or very taken with this record. Um, just a really kind of interesting uh, producer from London. And just the sound play throughout this record, just the, the, the beats, the production, uh, the sounds that, that she creates are just really kind of dazzling, I think. And um, this is our second record for uh, the label Hyperdub, who do a lot of this really cool uh, electronica type stuff. Um, most famously, Burial uh, is on Hyperdub. Uh, he's, the, he's probably either the... Have you heard about Burial? Are you familiar with Burial? No, not familiar with Burial. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, so good, man. But uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the kind of the, the major artists on Hyperdub. Um, but along with uh, some artists like Jay Lynn, Beaches Dylan, Aya, who's also on Hyperdub, uh, Lorraine James is, is really kind of pushing uh, dance music forward, I think, in terms of production. I mean, this, this record just sounds amazing. And, uh, and then this is our second record, and she's really starting to explore uh, some kind of pop uh, song structures as well. So with this track, this is, this is probably the most commercial track on the record, but just an amazing piece of kind of future R&B. It's a very interesting track, this. Uh, the composition of this track was what, what made me think about it. And I have to say as well, um, regular listeners to the pod will know that I'm not an expert in electronic uh, music either. Um, but li- like with you, I, I, sort of, I sort of instinctively know if something's good. You know, I, I don't know a huge amount about the genre and I don't listen to a lot of it, but when I hear something, I'm kind of like, oh, I do like that, like Hannah Peel. And uh, this is this is that same sort of thing. And what I really liked about this track, and what ironically sort of gives it a kind of comparison with uh, Cassandra Jenkins, is the, you know, the, the clash between singing, here it's a clash, not so much with Cassandra Jenkins, but the, the clash between the smooth, soulful singing and then these spoken word sections. Yes. And you, they don't arrive at predictable moments. You think you've sort of got an understanding of the the, the, the organisation of the track, and then as it goes on further, you realise you don't really. It's quite clever how it moves, and it, it's sort of liquid in its in its form. It's it's, it's very nicely done. Um, the 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 soulful singing, you know, could be from like nineties R and B. Um, it's it's that kind of thing. And then there's a big, you know, sort of crescendo of as. Uh, somewhere around about the two minute mark, um, but the you know the, the the track really takes off towards the end, and the intensity really kind of comes up and kind of whooshes away towards the end of the track. So, um, so yeah, a very a very interesting uh, project. And uh, you know, I, I don't always say this, but that one piqued my interest, and I, that's one I'm going to really follow up on, um, along with uh, along with some of the others here. But that that one is a that one's a really good track, really interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, single. As I say, it's probably the most commercial track on, on the record, but she is going in a more kind of song-orientated direction, so that she's got these kind of, as you, as you say, it's kind of liquid, uh, molten, constantly shifting um, instrumentals that she's got, but she's also got these more uh, song-based uh, stuff, and it's all kind of um, 
quite introspective as well. So as albums about um meant to her and feelings of isolation and you know, where where do I fit? And she's talked about this track saying it's when it's talking about burning like that, it's about she said it's uh, I was imagining a car chase between someone and their shadow self. Yeah. So when when you're saying it's like the, the spoken word and the and the, the, the singing, it's kinda like two conversations that are going on within somebody's head. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. Two character voices. There's a lot of that going on. She's constantly kind of using kind of pitched up vocals and um, yeah, there's just a lot of kind of different uh, narrative voices that are coming through in it in a really interesting way. Yeah. And uh, as I say, uh, just the production throughout is just um, really, really impressive. And really yep. cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so I think that's one... Uh, where's that going to? I mean, have you already got that on your list somewhere? Is that already out? Is that where's uh, that? No, that's that's still to come. Yet to come. Oh well, it's going to it's going to chart fairly highly. I would have thought then. Um, okay, so that leads us on to our sixth and final track, um, which uh, I, I don't know. Is this is this pop music, rock music? I, I don't I don't know. I guess we'll talk about what what this is exactly in a moment. But this um, the next track we're going to listen to is called Movement Six, um, and it is by Floating Points. And who's who's the saxophonist? Andrew, I don't have his name here. It's Pharaoh Sanders, and there's also the London Symphony Orchestra. London Symphony Orchestra. And actually, for, for Movement 6, not mentioning the London Symphony Orchestra is a bit of a crime, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll apologise now. Anyway, uh, let's listen to this. It's a beaut. Here we go. Thank 
So that is uh, move six um, from uh, Floating Points, Pharaoh Sanders and the London Symphony Orchestra. Now, when I hear the phrase um, Floating Point or the you know the the, the band, the album, the art, the ah, geez, oh, the artist name, Floating Point, um, it makes me think of like um, computer language or like mathematics. Um, and so when I saw this on the list, I was kind of like, oh, is this going to be... I actually wondered if this was going to be some kind of, like, electronic music where it was all just going to be, you know, zeros and ones and all that sort of stuff and no, no emotional stuff. And I could not have been further from the truth. Like, I was miles off. Never judge a book by its cover. Uh, tell us all about it, Andrew. So, yeah, so, uh, I mean, with floating points, he is an electronic musician, really. Yeah. He's always kind of done that kind of electronic jazz really um done some really lovely records um did one record called reflections a few years ago that was uh him and him playing in the middle of the desert and it was kind of like it was, it was kind, of, kind of like a floydian prog rock type thing but um but it had that kind of uh use of space about it he's always he's always had a really kind of intuitive uh, idea about how to use space in his music. And what is it with the deserts, man? Why is it always the desert? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, it was actually Pharaoh Sanders, who's like in his eighties now. You know, an incredible uh, avant-garde spiritual jazz saxophonist. Played, you know, played with Coltrane. You know, all the greats kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it was actually him that kind of reached out to, to Floating Points, having heard uh, some of some of his music. And uh, this this uh, collaboration just came into being. It just seemed to to happen quite quite organically. And uh, you you were saying there, I don't know what to call it. You know, it is kind of you know, is it jazz? Is it um, modern classical? Is it is it some kind of form of electronic music? It's, it's hard to know, but it's a lot of things. Is, but it just seems to really capture people's imagination this year. I mean, this is Mojo's album of the year. Which is quite incredible for for, for, for for when you're talking about you know a, a modern classical record. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But it's just it seems to have captured the times, and it's just undeniably wonderful. I think as well. It's just an absolutely incredible piece of work. When you see Fado uh, Sanders um, reached out to Floating Points, I think um, I read somewhere online that the, the overall structure of this record, where it's essentially one long piece of music broken up into sections, is quite similar to some of his earlier work. Um, there's a record called Black Unity, um, which is relatively similar, I believe. Um, not one I'm familiar with, but um, but yeah. So you you'd given me the, the the nod. I'm letting everyone in on our on our process again. As you passed me the the uh, the the track list for this week, you said if you can find the time to listen to the entire Floating Points record, um, you probably should because it'll make sense of this one this one piece. Um, so you know me, I like to do my homework. So I, so I did, um, and I'm glad I did because it's an incredible, it's an incredible piece of work overall. Um, but it's, I, I'm not sure, I'm not absolutely sure why you selected Movement Six. I'm glad you did. It's probably my favourite section of the record, um, and to me that the the. the you know, we're, we're talking about genre problems here a little bit with this. Like, where where do, where do we fit this? It's almost in its own space. It's almost somewhere to the to the east of jazz and to the west of electronic music, and it's sort of somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. where they meet. Um, and uh, the whole the whole album, the whole record, is essentially just 
variations on this one fairly simple synth motif. Um, yeah, I think it's like seven notes, isn't it? Yeah, it just bubbles up and, and it bubbles down. And then there's minor variations on it and, and major variations and, and so on. Um, and that, that goes through the whole thing. And then at various different, on, on various different tracks on the record, um, you know, there's some, there's some vocals uh, somewhere, I think, on movement four, I think. From memory, I mean, it could be wrong. It's like it's like Sanders is kind of grunting. Yeah. So there's, there's some there's some some of that. So and there's more sax on other tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but here on Movement Six, um, the London Symphony Orchestra a few a few minutes in, just come in, and I'm not sure exactly who's composed that. I don't know if that's Floating Points or whoever. Whoever that whoever it is that did that. Um, it is, and I, I don't want to use the word I use practically every week at this stage, but is an incredibly competent musician, <laughs> like unbelievable. Um, and and I, I tried to write down my feelings about this um, when the uh, the saxophone kind of pulls away, and the little motif is still there, and then the the, the strings just come and swell all over the top of it, uh, like a like a wave washing over the top. And um, I had a little bit of. You know, sometimes when you listen to music and you just hear a little touch of something. There were a few times when I, I heard, I heard George Martin. I heard sort of late late sixties George Martin instrumentation, um, and then you know, like sort of on the sort of Yellow Submarine soundtrack that type of thing. I heard a little bit of uh, Get Your Bingo Cards at the Ready, Johnny Greenwood, um, on his sort of musical soundtracks, and I also heard like atonal kind of Asian music just in here as well, like sort of weaving and swaying. Um, and I ended up just writing a, a, a string of words um, when I was listening to this. I, I think this music is is gentle, but it's also tense. It's got a kind of prickliness to it. It seems really relaxing, but it's also really profound. And then those strings, are they're so stirring. It's like some kind of like crazy 2021 national anthem. Um, it, it, it just an just an unbelievable piece of music, and uh, probably fitting that we kind of finish off our uh, you know our review of the year with this particular piece of music because I like to think that one of the things we do on this podcast here is we don't we we try and pick mainstream things as well, but we don't always pick um, things that are super obvious. Um, shout out to Kunatic, of course, um, <laughs> but this this one here is just. I don't know. I don't even really know what this is, but I know that it's. I'm going to say it. It's genius. It really is. Yes. Good. I'm so pleased you think that as well. And yeah, I mean, I I, I totally agree. And we're not alone in that. I think it has just really captured people's imagination. Yeah. And um, it's 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 go, going. I picked six because it's it's almost like the kind of climax, if you like. But it's, it's going for those first five stages, it's the kind of restraint that they have in those those uh, those first few tracks. That when it comes in, it just just has absolutely maximum effect. And yeah, it's absolutely. You just you just oh, it's absolutely. You, you, you're right. You just kind of struggle to find the words. It's just so. It just blows you away. It's a wave of emotion. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, fantastic, and so that sixth movement is also the sixth track of our review podcast today, um, and is our final twenty twenty one track we're going to talk about. I think. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're, when we when we come back oh, yeah. uh, so post Christmas. 
Yeah, feel about twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I think the, the audio just dipped a little bit there for anyone who's listening. Apologies, not so much we can do about that. But um, but yeah, so that's that's us ready to move on to a brand new 2022 uh, music with our next our next podcast. Um, I believe before we're due to record again, Andrew, I could be wrong. Um, I'll let the folks in on this. We'll be having a little uh, office podcast, office Christmas night out. Um, as long as the world hasn't shut down by the time we try and do it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be good, yeah. really good fun. Yeah, we'll have some we'll have some uh, drinky poos and, and chat and recharge the old batteries and come back to Smash 2022. Um, but before we do that, of course, um, I get to have the vinyl word. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> last couple of weeks, I've been sort of laughing at my own kind of like luddite uh, attitude to selecting the tracks. Where I've just picked something basically that I like from my own record collection and then um, just you know, tell you why I like it essentially. So I picked uh I picked the Beatles, I picked the Smiths, and I picked uh, Amy Winehouse. Um but today I tried to do it a little bit differently. I tried to do I tried to go Andrew style and I tried to pick something that has a kind of little, you know, link to um to the tracks that we've been listening to today. And the link is, uh, albeit a kind of, uh, you know, not not the most obvious link, but it's there. Um, but one of the things we were talking about with Lorraine James and um, also with the first track by Cassandra Jenkins was how we had spoken word and we had uh, full-on singing. And when I think about that type of blend of, uh, of singing and spoken word, the, my favourite track ever is um, by Bright Eyes, um, and it's the song At the Bottom of Everything, um, which is uh, also the, the title track of the 2005 album, At the Bottom of Everything. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Bright Eyes are a folk rock band um, fronted by uh, the lead singer Connor Oberst. Um, he's so associated with the name and the band Bright Eyes that for a lot of the time you might just wonder... Is, is it kind of just him? But there, there are three of them um, and uh, and a, a rotating gallery of, of supporting musicians. And they've been around quite a long time, actually. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, they haven't produced all that much music, um, especially, especially in the last decade. Um, they briefly flirted, maybe in like 2005 or so, around about the time of the release of this record, with mainstream kind of massive success, superstardom. They duetted with Conor Oberst, duetted with like Bruce Springsteen and, and, and acts like that and, and toured with them. Um, and he wrote a protest song about George W. Bush, which which won awards and was very very prominent in the media at the time. Um, but yeah, this, this particular track is to me, it's a weird one. It's something between, it's quite prosaic, um, but also relatively simple. Um, and begins with a kind of short story about a plane crash. Um, which almost you can imagine the scene. You can imagine being in a kind of like a folk club, and there's a, a folk uh, singer sitting at a stool, and you can hear Conor Roberts right at the start of the track having a little sip of water or sipping from a beer, and he starts to tell this story about the plane crash, um, and then just at the sort of key point um, of the story. Um, he starts strumming his guitar and then it bursts into life um, with kind of life-affirming folk music. Um, and one of the things we praised with about the Cassandra Jenkins track was, of course, that it was a, a sort of a voyage of self-discovery and it was a positive voyage of self-discovery. But here we've got this like joyous folk music, um, but the lyrics, the final lyric of the song is, I found out 
I am really no one, um, which is ultimately quite depressing. <laughs> and the sort of opposite message that you get from listening to Cassandra Jenkins. Um, I do like it. I, I'm often a fan of it where, you know, the, the music of a track and the lyrics of a track work in opposite directions, the ABBA, the ABBA effect as we call it, um, uh, which is the case here. But yeah, this is this is one of my favourite um, artists and I think this is a fantastic song. I, I don't think it's one that, you know, is, is super popular. I don't think everyone will have heard this one before. Um, and uh, what do you think of Bright Eyes, Andrew? Um, yeah, I've enjoyed bits and pieces. I, I, remember, I did buy a bought this album when it came out on Wide Awake It's Morning. It had the thing that was the... It was the, it was that kind of gimmick, wasn't it? They had the, the, the country album and then they had the, the kind of more... Electronic like, album, yeah. Same day. Yeah, Digital Ash and a Digital Warn. Yeah. Um, so I remember buying both of those at the time. I like them both as well. I like them both equally. I did like them both, but I preferred the, the country one. Um, my my favourite one by him is the one... They did just before that lifted. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember that record. Yeah. It's just incredibly ambitious. It opens with like this 10 minute piece that again is kind of spoken word, but it's just like um, really kind of ambitious Baroque instrumentation on that record. I think that's an amazing album. So that's probably my favourite. I've kind of fell away a wee bit with him um, in more recent years, but. Yeah, when he's when he's good, he's he's very very good. They haven't done a they haven't done a lot to be fair. Um, there's only been a couple of records in this last decade, two record. Yeah, yeah. had an album out last year. I think yeah, it was like the first one in the while. And it's the first one. That one's on a new label. The previously all the all the bright eyes was released on a label which was co-owned by the brother of one of the band members. Um, so this is the first time. Sorry, Adel Creek. Hi. I think so, yeah. Um, but this is the, this new record was on on a different label, a new label. Um, and uh, well, before we listen to that, that that kind of wraps us up uh, for well, pretty much for the year, I suppose, doesn't it, Andrew? Um, all that's really left to say is to folk: if you want to buy us a, um, you know, like a pumpkin spice latte or you know any kind of mince pies or whatever, you can head to uh, www.buymeacoffee.com. Uh, Slash we heard wonders and uh, you know and do that we'd we'd really appreciate it. We would yeah if you've enjoyed any of my writing uh, this year especially this uh, marathon uh, one day that I've been doing or if you've enjoyed any of the podcast yeah we'd really appreciate uh, just yeah. a wee donation just to keep up keep up with the production costs. We do have we do have some production yeah, costs going into the new year. Yeah, yeah that would be really appreciated. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Thanks so much for listening to us this year and uh, we're really looking forward to coming back in the new year. Okay, Merry Christmas everyone. Merry Christmas. Cheers guys, thank you. So there's this woman and she was uh, on an airplane and she's flying to meet her fiancé sailing high above the the largest ocean on planet Earth, and she was seated next to this man who, you know, she had tried to start conversations, and the only, really the only thing she heard him say was just to order his, his Bloody Mary, and when she was sitting there and she was reading this really arduous magazine article about a third world country that she couldn't even pronounce the, the name of, and she was feeling very bored and very despondent, and and then uh, 
suddenly there was this huge mechanical failure and one of the, the engines gave out and they started just falling and 30,000 feet the uh, pilots on the on the microphone and he's he's saying I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry oh my god I'm I'm sorry I'm apologizing and and she looks at the man and she and she says she says she says where are we going and uh and he looks at her and he says we're going to a party it, it's a birthday party it's your birthday party happy birthday darling we love you very, 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 very much. And then uh, he starts humming this little tune, and and uh, it kind of goes like this. It's kind of one, two, one, two, three, four. Telephone get eaten off the web. Must rip out all the epilogues from the books that we have read. Into the face of every criminal, strapped firmly to a chair. We must stare, we must stare, we must stare. We must take all of the medicines, too expensive now to sell. Set fire to the preacher who is promising us hell. Into the ear of every anarchist that sleeps but doesn't dream. We must sing, we must sing, we must sing. It'll go like this, alright. While my mother waters plants, my father loads his gun. He says death will give us back to God, just like the setting sun is returned to the lonesome ocean. into the deep blue sea. Oh, it was a wonderful splash. We must blend into the choir, sing a static with the whole. We must memorize nine numbers and deny we have a soul. Into this endless race for property and privilege to be won We must run, we must run, we must run We must hang up in the belfry where the bats and moonlight laugh We must stare into a crystal ball and only see the past Into the caverns of tomorrow with just our flashlights and our love We must plunge, we must plunge, we must plunge and then we'll get down there, way down to the very bottom of everything And then we'll see it, oh, we'll see it, we'll see it, we'll see it Oh, my morning's coming back The whole world's waking up All the city buses swimming past I'm happy just because I found out 